0: Welcome to the Bible for Beginners, Episode Six. This is actually going to be our last episode, covering the the books, the letters, um, the content of the New or the newer Testament. And in our final segment here, we are going to talk about um, the what's called the General Epistles and the Book of Revelation. Last time we talked about the the Pauline Epistles, Paul, the Apostle Paul. Um, wrote a uh, a good chunk of what is found in the New Testament and um in his writing as we said was very um specific uh one way letters written to specific congregations specific communities dealing with specific issues at specific times and as we as you work through the different letters that Paul wrote to those congregations you can you can kind of start to see a what we call an ecclesiology, a study of the church or an understanding of what the church is and the theology, the, the study of God, um, the, the Christian theology, the post-resurrection theology start to emerge in a practical, pragmatic uh, way. Um, practical theology is, is something that we talk about um, in seminary as uh, n- rather than, than just kind of thinking about what do we believe as Christians, it is applied Theology, right? So, a lot of Paul's writings um, is is kind of in this: what do we believe, and how do we tie what we believe as followers of Jesus Christ into uh, and dovetail it into our old um, Old Testament uh, writings and beliefs, the the Hebraic thought, and and. Uh, And and faith of of the Jewish tradition, but then he takes that theology and and ties it into specific locations and questions and issues that are happening in places like Ephesus or, or uh, or Philippi, or Rome, and uh, and we start to see his theology um, kind of move into ecclesiology, which is that that kind of practical theology in a certain place. Who, um, who who should the leaders be? Um, How should the leaders? behave? How should community be organized? How do you practice the sacraments, the Lord's Supper? What do we believe specifically, and what should we teach people about resurrection? All of these things are a part of, as we watch kind of Christian theology and ecclesiology evolve in the first century. It's important for us, as we read the Bible, um, getting back to kind of our, our, um, our hermeneutics, is to, is to realize that it's not a, a book or a series of books that were written all at once. It, it is a collection, as we said, a library of different writings about faith um, and about relationship with God and God's revelation over the course of thousands of years. And in the, in the New Testament, um, even though it's a shorter period of time, the, the first writings that we have from the New Testament come from probably somewhere in the, in the 50s or early 60s, And the last writings written somewhere in the year, perhaps 110 or 120. So even though all of that, all of that writing in the New Testament took place within the within the course of maybe 60 years or so, you even within that time see an evolution of uh, of theology from Paul, kind of explaining what what it meant to follow. Christ, as his uh, interaction with his revelation from the resurrected Christ, transformed his kind of Jewish thinking into into a more um, understanding of Christ as the as the Messiah, the fulfillment of of the Jewish prophecies, um, to a to a, a practical application and understanding that this uh, this following of of Christ uh, had to be made pertinent and applicable. Right to different uh, situations and, and places. The the one thing that also I want to say about these epistles and these are the ones that aren't specifically Pauline and the general epistles are not as specific um, and they they are the um, you know James and and First Peter Second Peter the, the, all the, the the epistles written by John or 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 at least attributed to John and Jude they aren't as specific as the epistles the letters written by Paul um, they're more general. Um and so that's why they're called the, the, the general epistles. Um but overall these uh these specific epistles, these general epistles, and then you get to the to the book of Revelation at the end. It um, it shows the shifting understanding of what it means to be a follower of Christ, what it means to be a Christian, what we should be thinking about, and what we should be uh, dealing with. And, and it gets kind of granular and specific in some areas, and broad and general and, and more futuristic in other areas. Uh, it, it is a reminder to us that our theology, our understanding as followers of Christ, is as dynamic as was the theology and is the expanding theology of the Bible Right? as it continues to, to grow and to uh, evolve and to deal with different specific issues and problems. And so that's why we believe that the Spirit of Christ that informed the writers of the New Testament continues to inform us today, so that the Word of God is Jesus Christ, and, and the Word of God, also which we call the Bible, is, um, um, is, 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 is written and is in, is in a canon but the, 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 the spirit of the word of God, the spirit of Jesus Christ, continues to write on the tablets of our hearts, right? Write on the, on, the, on the history of, of, our, of humanity. Um, even when the, the Bible ends, uh, you know, we say that it, it ends uh, with a comma, not a period, because the spirit of Christ... Continues to speak to us as the resurrected Christ, um, and so this evolution of, of, of ideas and thoughts and understanding of the faith can be seen in the texts of the epistles themselves. And as we move into the um, the latter Pauline writing, First and Second Timothy and, and to Titus, um, it, it, this is a you, you see a more developed Christian organization, a church organization, I should say. Um, that evolves and talking about specific instances of how do you name leaders for churches? How do you uh, deal with issues that come up in churches? And again, these are helpful for us to read, uh, but they aren't necessarily prescriptive. Like, this is how exactly you should handle this situation. It might help to get some general principles and ideas from these epistles, but again, they were written at specific times and specific places to specific people, and we need to recognize that. So moving into the, the general uh, epistles, they were typically, as we understand them, written later uh, than the, uh, the Pauline epistles. The easiest way to kind of to break these down is to say that um, they deal with uh, faith, hope, and love. Um, and more specifically, I would say faith, as, as a, how, how does faith work itself out in your life? And then and then the hope that we have in Christ and then and then love. So um, the, the the epistle of, of James is attributed to uh, James, the, the brother of Jesus, the leader of the church. We don't necessarily know that that actually uh, was the person that wrote it, but it's, it's attributed to him. And, uh, and it is very much concerned with the practical issues of faith. How do you do, how do you do Christian? How do you be Christian? Uh, and uh, and he gives very specific instructions as to what you should do and what you uh, h- how people should know that you are uh, a Christian. And and basically James comes down pretty hard on, on actions, and he says you've got to uh, you know if faith that does not demonstrate itself uh, in love, in actionable love, and in deeds um, it is really um, not not faith at all. Uh, and so the, the reformer is starting with. With Luther said that the epistle uh, of James was uh, was an epistle of straw, and as they even sought to kind of rewrite the Bible, some of them wanted to take I think Luther would have taken the, the book of james out of the out of the Bible, but it has remained, and it is uh, kind of focused on how do you do faith and it 's uh, it's specific and and uh, you, you need to care for um, the poor and you need to feed the hungry and you need to take care of orphans and widows, the general epistles. Uh, Are writing to a church that is in trauma, right? We are writing in the midst of the end of the first century. Where the church was starting to undergo um, persecution, and so in these general epistles, you see that they are speaking to and kind of being pastoral in a way, saying, "Hey, these are the things that you need to be doing. Here's the affliction that you're dealing with. Here are the things that you need to do, the principles that you need to apply to your life, how to deal with with adversity and such." And, and he talks about how you control your tongue and how you, um, you know, how you show uh, faith within your Within your works and within the, uh, the way that wisdom is displayed in your life, and, and don't speak evil of other people, and you know, very very pragmatic theology. So, if, if we think about the the general epistles as as uh, kind of faith, uh, hope, and love, James is kind of how do you practice your faith in, in the midst of, of adversity, and then um, and then hope. You know, if you if you think about the books of First uh, and Second Peter, um, is is really kind of talking about how we can hope that. Um, that all all will be well, and and that Christ will care for and carry us into um, the hope that we profess as as Christians. First um, Peter is a um, is, is is a very easy book to read, and and if you wanted to just read one of the epistles in the New Testament, First Peter is a good one. And in fact, it's in it's from First Peter that that those of us who practice Reformed theology and tradition get our understanding of. Uh, the, the priesthood of all believers and understanding that each one of us is called by Christ and and this was a favorite scripture um, of the of again of the Reformation that that we don't you don't need one pro- pope or one one priest uh, to tell you what to do each one of us uh, is is gifted is called by God to to act as leaders in the church and to uh, take on the, the the priestly role the other thing to keep in mind when we think about these epistles paul's epistles and the general epistles is you know one of the reasons peter talks about hope um, a lot is that um, they because they are undergoing a lot of persecution there is also this understanding or this expectation that jesus is going to come back that the resurrected christ um, as he departed um, said i will return and uh, there was this understanding, this expectation that Jesus was going to come back, and it could be within days, it could be within years, but it was going to happen probably within their lifetime, and, uh, and the world would be judged, and people would be judged. And, and so a lot of the New Testament theology and ecclesiology that we read through with this expectation of an, of an imminent return right, of, of Christ uh, and, uh, and it is that, uh, that expectation that informs a lot of the, of the theology. So some of the questions and issues that are being dealt with in these epistles have to do with uh, things like, uh, you know, if, uh, if I die, should I get buried or should I not? You know, or, or if, this is, um, if, if this sin or this issue that we're dealing with in, in the community is something that can be uh, forgiven or, or, or not, should we wait for Christ to return? So that that context is is also important. Another thing to, to say about context is that within the the first century, there was a uh, a primary theological um, issue that they were dealing with. Now, w- one of the things that's helpful to know is that our understanding of what we believe is in response to something that is happening in the world, right? So seldom do we come up with a concrete belief, hey, this is what we believe, without having some sort of an issue, a crisis that takes place in the world um, that causes us to say, wow, hey, what do, we, what do we think about that? What do we believe about that? We as the, as the church, even in the, you know, in the 20th, 21st century, have written confessions or, or beliefs, but it is always in response to things like uh, World War II. And the uh, and the Holocaust and and so we 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 write a, a response to that the civil rights movement of the the fifties and sixties we we write new confessions or beliefs this is what we believe same thing was happening in in the first century that that our our belief as Christians uh, was oftentimes in response to things that were happening in the world and so one of the things that was was foundational or or fundamental. Um, in in the in the first century was a uh, a belief that 's called we just call it Gnosticism that starts with a g and Gnosticism was a belief that honestly continues uh, two thousand years later uh, to affect theology and Gnosticism was uh, gnosis is is the root word and it means a, a special belief or a or a secret belief an understanding right that that uh, that was also tied into to um to a a Greek concept called docetism that which is a dualistic understanding that there is uh there's good and there's bad there's there's evil and there is truth and that evil and and badness are attributed to what is time-bound and earth-bound and what is good and what is true is more attributed to the to the heavens and to the thoughts right and this is uh, kind of in line with platonic thought and this this crept into first century Theology and a lot of um, what Peter writes about in his epistles and what John writes about in his epistles um, and also what, uh, what Jude writes about have to do with just be careful. Be careful. Be aware that this, you know, um, wrong and, and bad theology doesn't creep into the church because the thing that was radical and different about Christianity was that God of creation became flesh and that that God lived among us and that God died and was resurrected. And so there is this incarnation and this assumption of humanity, of earthiness, that is foundational to our Christian theology and the death of God, right, that is foundational to our theology and then the resurrection, the defeat of death, that was compromised by this docetism by this gnosticism this this special belief this secret knowledge that certain priests or believers women or men who crept into the church said no 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 let me interpret this for you and and what they would say is that that jesus wasn't really entirely god that he couldn't be because material earth flesh is evil inherently and so uh, jesus just appeared to be divine or was divine for certain periods, but but certainly when he suffered or when he died, the divine part of Jesus withdrew from him, and so just the flesh, just the earthly human, corrupt part died, because God can't die, and and so this docetism that was prevalent in in first century Greek Greco Roman thought was seeping into the church, and and. Peter and and John and James and Jude and even Paul warned the first century church. Said no 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 don't don't let this happen. There are not people who have a certain secret knowledge uh, of how things work. Uh, they, they should not be deceiving you or drawing you away from what is a, a really a very earthy, dirty, grounded, incarnate and incarnate incarnate carne means flesh in flesh theology, which is our Christian theology, that God, the creator God, became flesh, became a human, and suffered, and died, and then was resurrected. That is, that is foolishness, Paul says. That's foolishness to the Greeks, and yet it is foundational to our faith that we believe as Christians that this world matters that our lives matter that the earth matters that our bodies matter that things that happen here on earth and the practice of justice and equity and fairness and healing and hope and -hmm. environmental justice all of these things they are Theologically grounded in an understanding of a God who is grounded in creation. And, and that docetism, that, that, uh, that Gnosticism uh, that infected the first century church, that the, the general epistles uh, warned against, continues to infect uh, and, and to, wants to infect our theology uh, today and this understanding that we just, um, that salvation is just about being saved and going to heaven. And we don't need to worry so much about uh, global warming, or we don't need to worry so much about um, things that are happening in, in, in the world, like a, like a, a pandemic. Everyone's going to die, and really what it's all about is, is getting to heaven. That's, uh, that's not what our theology is about. Foundationally, we are a dirty, grounded, fleshy, and beautiful theology. And so I guess that's a good way to transition to talking about uh, the book of, of Revelation. Uh, the book of Revelation is one that gets um, probably outsized um, recognition and attention uh, compared to other books in the New or letters in the New Testament. And, uh, and that's because it is uh, fantastical. It, it's, it's, um, it's amazing. It is uh, apocalyptic literature um, a lot of metaphors and imagery and all sorts of things that can be read into. It's not super straightforward. And we call it um, the book of Revelation because that's actually the first word uh, in this letter, this this writing called, uh, we call Revelation. The first word in, in, in Greek is uh, apocalypsis, the, the apocalypse. And so that's why um, it, it fits in the genre of apocalyptic literature. Apocalyptic literature uh, is found Actually, throughout throughout the Bible, uh, Isaiah, in um, Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah thirty three, uh, Ezekiel thirty eight and thirty nine, a little bit in Joel, Zechariah, and then most specifically, Book of Daniel, primarily chapters um, seven through twelve, um, and it is a uh, it is a it is a genre of literature, apocalyptic literature, that typically comes out of times when people are uh, unusually stressed and oppressed and it feels like the world is falling apart around them and so therefore uh in the middle of a pandemic uh other times where there's been major shifts in our society uh, the beginning of the of the 20th century, the early 1900s, where there was war and there was the epidemic or the the flu of 1918, and, and moving away from kingdoms and into democracies and industrialization, all of those things led to a heightened awareness of and, and look at uh, apocalyptic literature, especially the Book of Revelation, and that's where a lot of the the Assemblies of God and and different Pentecostal um, Religions and, and views of the, of the faith and understanding of Revelation, the book of Revelation, took part uh, at that time in our nation's history when things were crazy, when things in the world were crazy. And people have continued to try to find within the words of apocalyptic literature something that will give us hope uh, because that's what it's written for. It's to say, hey, things are crazy right now, but this thing is coming. And just look for it. It is coming. And usually apocalyptic literature is, is very metaphoric. It doesn't come out in a straightforward way because typically the people that are writing apoc- apocalyptic literature are people that are not in power and so when they are writing about what's going to happen like Daniel in the Old Testament he was uh you know under the under the under captivity right and we, the the Babylonian exile had taken place and and Daniel and his friends were held in captives there with the other Hebrew people and they thought that their whole kind of way of life was going to be obliterated. And um, and so Daniel, in, in the book of Daniel, it's this, hey, this is going to happen. This is what's going to go on. And it's very figurative language that's used. The, the same thing with the book of Revelation. It is written uh, by John of, of Patmos, John um, who was thought to be the, the disciple of of Jesus, whether that was actually John or not. Um, most scholars think probably not. Um, but uh, that he wrote it while he was in exile on the Isle of Patmos, which is an, which is a, a small island, rocky island, and uh that he kind of wrote it um in in a vision apocalyptic literature typically came uh the, the revelation comes from a visit to heaven someone kind of is transported to heaven then comes back and has this special knowledge or an angel from heaven comes and that's what happens with John in, in the midst of what was you know the, the, we talked earlier about the the temple in in AD 70 being decimated the 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 temple in Israel and in the the Romans um, coming in and and uh, and just really decimating Jerusalem, uh, and so the the way of life and the center of worship had been destroyed, and, and Jews had been spread out, and as the Christian Jews were being persecuted, it just really felt like the end of the world, and so apocalyptic apocalyptic literature became very popular at that time, and so when you when you think about reading the book of, of uh, Revelation in the scriptures, you also should know that there were a number of other uh, apocalyptic books that were written. Some of them that maybe could have been added into our canon, like the Apocalypse of uh, of Abraham. Uh, and it was written at the same time, but but we chose um, through the years and through the wisdom of the church fathers and mothers to to include this one apocalyptic book. Um, and, and John in it is, the author is writing to the seven churches and telling them, hey, this is what's going on, uh, and this is what's really difficult, and, and this is uh, this is what it means to be the church right now, and here are the temptations you're going to face, and this is what's really needed, and here are some visions for the near future that I want to give to you so that you can hold on, that, that God is going to come and do this, and, 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 and Jesus is going to come back soon and is going to do this, and, and there will be, Um, relief, and there will be justice, and all of these things, um, and and very sensational um, imagery that that really can kind of capture people who are depressed and are scared and are anxious and and give them a sign to hope even in the midst of darkness. And so to take apocalyptic literature that's written for a time, and and, and in the first century, the end of the first century, when we think this was written somewhere around the year 100, um, the big force in the world at that time was Rome right Um, when the book of daniel was written it was it was babylon and so uh, babylon is that that word is used that that uh, idea of babylon being the the corrupt overwhelming dominant um, force in the world is kind of transposed into the first century and so rome is in kind of figurative maybe hidden language that John is using to to not get himself uh, in too much trouble he calls Rome Babylon and uh, and then every time he, he kind of talks about Babylon and, and uh, defines who it is it is clearly speaking of, of Rome and and its its sinfulness its corruption and uh, and how the churches need to stand against it and what they need to do the the problem with um, apocalyptic literature is that when we are at other times right going through challenge and and stress and anxiety uh, as a people um, we can take um, apocalyptic literature and rather than read it from just a historical perspective we can try to understand it as something that is futuristic right that this is something that's talking about right now right this is not a revelation that was written for the apostolic age, that first century, and uh, the Roman Empire. It was written for future events, not near future, but you know, a long time after that. So somehow, the the Apostle John was was writing about um, you know the year twenty. 20 or, you know, whatever you want to apply it to that somehow was, was writing about right now. And, 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 you know, you can look back over the years when people have tried to think, oh, this this is what John is writing about, or this is what the end times means, and, and this is why the, the skies are turning red, or this is why there's fasts, or I'm sorry, um, famine, or there's earthquakes, and we try to read back into old signs things that would apply to our day Today. And that's where it can get confusing and it can actually get abusive. And some of the most abusive theology comes from people who are uh, trying to scare people into thinking that Jesus is coming back. or I'm the one who can read these signs. I'm the one who's got some sort of special knowledge. Uh, and you get these cult followings and, and this kind of strange interpretations of, of apop- apocalyptic literature to apply it to today. Um, to again alleviate fears to give people a sense of hope so it makes it makes sense why we do that it's just not necessarily the best theology and doesn't lead to necessarily the most the best ends um and so you know we need to recognize uh, revelation as being the allegory uh, that it is and, and written for the time when it was written and um and, and the thing that that i think is is we can take away from once we understand revelation like that is, is there's parts of it you can kind of just read through and go, wow, that's fantastical. And reading about the dragon and the beasts and the, and the four horsemen and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's fascinating. You can try to figure out how that is connected to first century stuff going on. Um, but I think it also has got beautiful imagery that is, you know, kind of hopeful for us for, for all time. Um, and, uh, and, and imagery that we continue to use uh, in the church that helps us to see um the, the hope that it that is really ours the a couple of passages that i just want to read from from revelation that i think are are uh, are helpful chapter 18 um, there is a uh, a description where john talks about alas you know the great city of babylon chapter 18 starting in verse 10 and he says uh, you know your your judgment has come and this is the way of christians and Jews just saying hey you know you're you know rome you're going to get what's coming to you you've oppressed us and and you've scattered us, and you've burnt our city, and and destroyed our temple. But you, you're going to get what's coming to you, and and that the the merchants of the earth, all of the money grubbing people that have kind of um, flocked to Rome to to become wealthy and to and to um, take advantage of the opportunities there, you are you're going to weep and mourn, and your injustice and your unethical behavior is going to be judged and uh and he lists the cargo the 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 gold right the first thing he lists is that in in rome it's filled with gold and silver and jewel and pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and uh and it also goes on to list um you know wood and cinnamon and spice and incense and myrrh and frankincense and olive oil and flour and wheat and cattle and sheep and horses and chariots and slaves human slaves and, and it's as if, you know, John is saying all of this stuff that we've put your hope in, all of this stuff that we have prioritized um, in Rome at that time, perhaps Babylon, you know, 500 years earlier, I mean, just list your time and your, your you know, your epic whenever you think that our, your country or your civilization was great, right? And, and we were wealthy and you list all these things, the stock market is doing really well and we've got x and y that we can account and we can put on our cargo list um and and john is saying that's what you put all your hope in and and uh and that's going to come crashing down because that's not what you should put your hope in and then in in revelation chapter 21 is the uh is kind of the, the crescendo where where it says that um in in the end what's actually going to happen we kind of get a list of god's priorities it says in, in the end in, in revelation chapter one it says the The home of God will be among people, will be among mortals. God will dwell with us, will be God's people. God will be with us and he will wipe every tear away from our eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. Behold, the new things have come. And it's interesting because then John goes and lists in this new city. Here are the things. Uh, here's another kind of cargo list uh, uh, in, in the city of God, and it lists that there's going to be a, a city's going to be adorned with with jewels, and, and the gates are going to be made up of pearls, and it says that the that the the streets um, will be um, streets of gold. You know, we've heard that imagery before, um, which is interesting because it's kind of like this this stuff that we think. Um, is just kind of mundane right we we walk on asphalt or cement every day today that 's going to be gold um, and, and rather than gold being the priority, the thing that we uh, you know prize ourselves on and, and that we put our faith in gold is just going to be kind of one of those things that 's there that that helps us to to get by but what 's going to be first and foremost is is not the 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 spices and the and the jewels and the gold the thing that 's going to be first and foremost is what it says and and verse 3 of 21 is that the, the home of God is going to be with men and women. God is going to dwell with us and wipe every tear from our eyes, and death will be no more. That God's priority is relationship. God's priority it is not that we would drift away to some other place, uh, but that God is going to be with us, and, and that our responsibility, our role as followers of Christ, as lovers of God and ourselves and others in this world, Uh, is to not get lost in dreaming about what will come. We can gain hope from that, right? And and continue to draw our true north from where it is that God is taking us. But the fact is, God's goal is for God to dwell among us, for us to dwell among each other here on earth. We're not looking just to escape this earth. We need to be people who help to make right relationship and equity and peace uh, a reality, to wipe tears from eyes, There'd be more, no more mourning and, and and crying, and that everybody would have enough. That is the that's the vision. That's how it kind of ends, and uh, and that's a good place for us to end this uh, this podcast, Bible for Beginners. And we will pick up uh, with um, with some Old Testament stuff next. All right, take good care. Peace.